This is CliffCentral.com. Good day and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumentapo. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you to our sponsors, T-Systems, for making the platform available. On this show, we focus on disruption. We look at different industry models. We look at how technology is influencing where business is going into the future. And we do that through conversations with industry leaders and pioneers and really look to how we can learn from some of the work they've done, um, how they've been disruptive in their own lives, and really how we can bring that to the fore um, within our own businesses and within our own lives. In the studio today, I've got Mati Mudise who joins me. Mati is the CEO or the Managing Director of Simudisa, which is an industry association for entrepreneurs. She's also the founder and uh, CEO of her own company called Fu- Furaha. Furaha. Furaha, which means... Happy in Swahili. Which means happiness in Swahili. <laughs> and you look very happy. How are you doing today? I'm very, very happy. Thank you, Mpumi. Thank you for joining us. Um, as as I, you know, in the introduction, I said we really focus on disruption and how really it's had a major impact on mm. business, uh, especially now in this era of technology and digital where everything is connected to everything else. Mm. You work a lot with entrepreneurs within the uh, Simudisa organization. Mm-hmm. Can you just very quickly introduce us to Simudisa, what it does, uh, what it's all about, and who the members of the organization are? Sure. So Simadisa is an industry association for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs, and it's about building a critical mass of entrepreneurs in South Africa. So essentially, we want to have more people thinking of entrepreneurship as an option to life so that they can contribute towards uh, our economy and contribute towards, um, you know, um, job creation in our country. And what Simadisa focuses on is a policy component. So how do we create an enabling environment for Entrepreneurs. So we work directly with the government and the private sector so that we can tackle some of the policies that should be enabling entrepreneurship. Uh, perhaps at a later stage, I'll go into a little bit more detail around the policy work. Okay. And then also from a venture capital perspective, uh, we need more early stage investment in, in, in South Africa. Absolutely. So um, it's very, very essential that we are able to bridge that early stage investing um, in our country. Because for a guy that wants to um, get somebody to seed their business or an angel investor, you know, that particular industry in South Africa is in its infancy. And if, you, if we really want to propel entrepreneurship in South Africa, we have to be able to to seed um, ideas in a country. And then thirdly, from building platforms that connect entrepreneurs to opportunities. Um, you'd be surprised as to how much support there is um, in South Africa for entrepreneurs uh, from corporates having their enterprise development uh, platforms, uh, from banks having their incubators, accelerators. So yes. um, entrepreneurs never know about these opportunities. And so Simodisa is about building that community and building that ecosystem so that if you're an entrepreneur, you're able to know who's who in the zoo and who's here to me. Absolutely. And who are the members of Simudisa? So it's a full spectrum. So from somebody who works for ESCOM and wants to start a business, so okay. they have an idea and they essentially want to jump, um, you know, their corporate um, leap and then start their own business okay. or to an established business that wants to scale their business globally. Um, those are the, you know, that's a full spectrum of entrepreneurs that we would assist. And I believe you've got close to 8,000 entrepreneurs that are affiliated to Simudisa. Correct. Right? Okay. That's how big our community is right now. And within that community, it's actual entrepreneurs or prospective entrepreneurs, wannabe entrepreneurs, okay. and also people that are assisting entrepreneurs. So um, if you like, we have a whole network of incubators, accelerators, mentorship organizations, uh, uh, key stakeholders that are, you know, um, influencing policy, uh, technology, transfer offices. So um, our particular community has basically a snippet of everybody that's within the space, the entrepreneurship space. 
And a, a funding is is it uh, funded by government or I mean who funds Simodisa? Just so that we have an idea of really sure. what makes up this organization. Of course. So Simodisa is a non profit. Um, and it's an independent, um, non-partisan. So we're not supported by the blue party or the green, yellow and black party. Okay. Um, so we're quite agnostic, but then we do have corporates that support Simodisa. For example, FMB is one of our anchor partners, anchor okay. sponsors. And the reason why they've come on board is because they just be- believe that it's good for the country, that entrepreneurship is something that we have to push. And if there is an organization that's really, really running and pushing the entrepreneurship agenda, they, they want to support it. We also are in partnership with the Department of Science and Technology. Okay. Um, you know, um, we work with high growth, high impact uh, entrepreneurs. So we're not we're not necessarily working with a guy in the street that wants to sell tomatoes. Okay. Great, we are able to cre- to give you platforms, tools to enable you to run your business. But okay. the guys that we are more interested in, the girls and guys that we're interested in, are the high growth, high impact. Those who are really going to create jobs, okay. really going to contribute towards the economy. So we work with the Department of Science and Technology. We work with the South African. Venture Capital Association, and also we working with uh, Clicketel, which is a private sector company. Yes. In fact, our chairman of Simodisa, he's, um, you know, the reason why Simodisa started was uh, Peter De Villiers, He's our chairman. Okay. And he is a Cape Town startup, so startup like anybody. Yes. But he was able to scale his business globally. So he grew Clicketel outside of Silicon Valley, um, and he believed that he wants to really, really encourage more people like him. However, with with less the drama and less the hassles and less the red tape and, and, and the friction. Um, so essentially, he started Simodisa as an industry association that's going to represent people like him that have a global vision to start global South African businesses and how do you help them, how do you assist them. Ah, fantastic. Mm. And so, so that we understand, I mean, you... You've come from uh, quite a um, illustrious um, background. <laughs> we spoke earlier about your trophy cabinet. Um, you, you know, you've been recognised um, by the likes of the Coca-Cola Young Achiever Awards, uh, various publications and media um, acknowledgements and recognition. How did you come to be the managing director of um, of this organisation? Sure. So yes, my career has been very illustrious. Um, I started off as an investment banker. Okay. Um, that lasted for about two years because really I'm just an entrepreneur at heart. Um, and for the past seven years, I've been in the entrepreneurship space. Um, I have my own company, Fura Africa Holdings, which I've you know grown since 2013. Okay. And also I've been uh, running organisations or industry associations um, previous to Simodisa. Um, I ran the South African Black Entrepreneurs Forum, which is about going into townships, going into peri- urban um, areas, and how do we start assisting entrepreneurs and how do we start connecting them to opportunities. So um, that has opened me to a lot of um, platforms, um, but essentially uh, running Simodisa has by far been, you know, a quite quite exciting because it's how do we how do we disrupt South Africa? How do we start? getting people to start thinking entrepreneurially and it's never been done before. So yes. in essence, that is a dis- disruption on its own. Yes. Mm. So let's now talk about entrepreneurship and, and the state um, of entrepreneurship in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, by and large, you know, when I have guests um, on the show, um, the entrepreneurship aspect does come up. Are we in a healthy state? 
We are in a better state than when we were five years ago. I think okay. if you had to look at South Africa and the ecosystem, which is essentially the community, it has grown. Ten years ago, we didn't have all these incubators that we have. Ten yes. years ago, we didn't have the likes of Simodisis, which is an organization that's focusing on entrepreneurship. So ten years ago, we didn't have you know enterprise development um, organizations that are trying to integrate small businesses into big companies. Okay. So it is in a healthier state. We are growing um, on an annual basis or biannual basis. We have what you call the ecosystem map, which is basically mapping what is available in South Africa to help entrepreneurs. So, um, you know, in 2014, we had our first one, 2014, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about 214 organizations, whether it's media platforms that are encouraging entrepreneurship or incubators, accelerators focusing okay. on fintech or agritech or biotech or, you know, um, um, you know, um, in like organizations such as Simodisa. So that first uh, publication of the ecosystem was about 214 people trying to help entrepreneurs. And now it's grown to 340. We launched um, the second iteration of, um, you know, our ecosystem map this year. And now there's 340 people in South Africa that are there to help entrepreneurs. So that for us is how we are able to, to really measure how big the industry is going, because obviously it wouldn't grow if there wasn't a need. Yes. And, we need more entrepreneurship. Um, you know, 35 but, to 45% of, um, you know, of our GDP is contributed by small businesses. So yes. we need more people who are going to start entrepreneurial ventures that will then be, you know, SMEs that will essentially contribute towards our economy. And is it a numbers game? So is it about how many entrepreneurs, um, we have or mm-hmm. is it about the impact that the entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurs that are in the ecosystem are having? I would, I would say it's more the latter. So, um, it's more the, um, you know, the, that it's quantity over quality, right? I would say I'd prefer quality of entrepreneurs than the quantity. So okay. I wouldn't say if we have more entrepreneurs, it means that the quality of entrepreneurship is, is there. But if we had more entrepreneurs that could, uh, you know, create the jobs that we are looking for, yes. contribute towards the economy, then yes. that's better. If it's a few of them that are really doing a great job in creating, um, you know, employment in South Africa, then that's great. Instead of having, you know, 10 entrepreneurs that are selling tomatoes in the street, mm-hmm. that's kind of not, not what we're looking for. Yeah. And I mean, I guess there is a, there is a place because we do need, um, you know, I've heard the term used survival entrepreneurs so mm. people that are really I guess operating at that level so mm. we do need that but we also need more in, in terms of you know fueling the economy sure I, I would say you know I would rather have less entrepreneurs that are starting their ventures because they've been fired or dismissed or they don't have any opportunities I see you know I'd rather have people that quit their jobs because they see an opportunity Okay. So I'd rather, I mean, the survivalist guys are more the ones that are not really going to create all the jobs that we need. Fine, they will be able to create a job for themselves, yes. um, you know, contribute towards their own homes and, um, you know, the economies of their own um, um, households. But uh, we need more people that are going to create industries. We need more Adrian Gores that are going to create discoveries that are going to employ a lot, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people and also um, that are going to go global. So yes. that are going to be globally relevant. I mean, if you look at the likes of the discoveries, the likes of the investigs, these are globally recognized businesses. Yes, yes. And are are we seeing that um, we have that level of ambition in South Africa? So so let me ask the question like Mm -hmm. this. In in your 8,000 members, Mm -hmm. what industries are leading um, in terms of the representation within your membership? We have a lot of tech businesses. Okay. 
because, um, you know, the genesis of Simodisa was coming with a policy recommendation document. That's how we started saying government, here are the seven key policies you need to focus on so that you can create a nurture and enabling environment for high impact, high growth SMEs in South Africa. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of tech businesses relate to what we're doing. So whether it's also incubators and accelerators, they, they love the fact that they have an industry association that is willing to go and lobby and advocate um, and do a lot of advocacy work, you know, with the government around how do we push, you know, these seven key uh, policies in South Africa. So one of them is IP and exchange control. So okay. your ability to sell your intellectual property to foreign investors. Right now, yes. it's such a hassle in our country. Uh, it's very, very difficult. That's why a lot of people are registering their companies outside. Yes, in fact, I've got two or three guests who've been on the show who've said mm-hmm. they basically had to set up their HQ in the UK. Yes. Um, because of IP um, issues and you know, exchange controls and mm. other matters related to that. Sure. So it, countries like Mauritius become more... Um, you know, they become more attractive mm. because they don't give people the hassles. I mean, if you had to look at a country like Rwanda, you can start your business in a day. You can register it online in a day. It's not wow. like in South Africa. It can take between three to um, to six months to actually get your uh, business registered. I mean, wow. now there are agents that can do it within a month. But if you had to go in there and do it by yourself, the idea is that you should be able to get it within a day if we're going to be a globally competitive um, country in terms of growing entrepreneurs. So um, the policy environment is very, very important. And that's essentially um, Simodisa's claim to fame, okay. our ability to identify that, um, you know, the policy environment is what is very, very critical. And um, I mean, Peter, our chairman, um, he was, you know, in Silicon Valley for the past 12 years. He's now back in South Africa. Mm. And the, the reason why Simodisa was formed was that um, they had some government officials, Trevor Manuel and Praveen Gordon, um, well, they're now former government officials, yes. go to Silicon Valley and they would ask the question, how do we assimilate something like this? You know, Silicon Valley has taken years to, to become what it is. Yes. It didn't just happen like, you know, in, in 23 years. It, it's taken a bit of a while to happen. And so, um, well, Peter and the Vinnie Linghams, you know, the, the all-stars coming out of South Africa, making it big in Silicon Valley, yes. well, did say that, you know, the policy environment has to be enabling because if the policy environment was enabling in South Africa, I wouldn't have had a need to go to Silicon Valley to get more funding for my business. I see. Um, I wouldn't have had to go to Silicon Valley to have much a much more broader access to markets or you know interventions that will really really grow a globally relevant business. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk about that because for for the average South African entrepreneur, they might mm-hmm. not easily connect with some of the the topics that you raise. And sure. So you're, you're speaking about. Uh, capital markets. Mm-hmm. Um, the term VCs or venture capital mm. comes up, and and we're speaking about IP and and the ability to move your IP. Mm-hmm. So can we maybe just break it down a little bit so that sure. so that we understand why a place like Silicon Valley tends to mm. make sense for mm. entrepreneurs, specifically mm. around tech. Yes, and and what is limiting in terms of our own context? Okay, brilliant. So from a VC perspective, which is venture capital, um, early stage investments. As I had said earlier, it's quite a challenge. So if you're somebody that is looking for 50,000 rands, 100,000 rands to start your business, yes. because you have a great idea which you feel like it's really going to contribute towards um, the economy, it's really going to, um, you know, create those um, job opportunities, it's still a bit of a challenge. I mean, there are not a lot of people that can give you that 50,000 rands or 100,000 rands. And people would say that 
Either you rely on family, friends, or fools. Yes. Those are the three Fs. Family, friends, or fools. Oh, those are the three Fs of people that you would have to rely on. But if you had to look at an ecosystem or a community, or an entrepreneurial community like a Silicon Valley venture capital, just to give you that 10,000 rands to start your business because they believe it's going to be the next disruption, yes. um, is quite easily available. It's not such a challenge. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of people that are really, really seeding ideas and, um, in South Africa, we also don't have um, a network of angel investors. And angel investors also do form part of a segment of venture capital. Okay. So if we had more people that are high net worth individuals that are willing to spend a little bit of risk capital um, in giving entrepreneurs like, you know, that head start and say, you know what? 50,000 rands to me is nothing, but I really, really believe in you, the person that wants to start this uh, business. I really, really believe in your idea that it's really going to work, and I will give you that 50,000 rands for a small little stake in your business. Okay. So we don't have that in South Africa. And perhaps the reason is because you know high net worth individuals don't know what the opportunity is like. Yes. High net worth individuals ha- have not been educated around what is venture capital and how can you deploy the excess money that you have into starting or helping uh, ventures. How do you get a hold of these entrepreneurs? But now there are, you know, there's something that was called the South African Business um, Angel Network that was launched last year. Okay. And their aim is to how do we grow more angel investing in South Africa? Okay. Um, and so how do we start educating, um, you know, high net worth individuals or even the ordinary guy that says, well, I actually want to start investing in startups. So that that's something that's emerging. There was an organization that was launched, um, you know, last year around angel investing in South Africa. Okay. So there's work in that space to, to develop it. Definitely is the scope. I mean, if I'm uh, Patrice Matsipe and, you know, I'm the top five wealthiest man in the country and I've been investing in nonprofits and, you know, they have their own foundation. But I really believe in innovation. I really believe in disruption. I really believe in making South Africa a much more attractive, um, you know, environment that has entrepreneurial energy like he is an entrepreneur. Um, we would like to get more of the Patrice Matsipas to actually invest in startups in South Africa. So with the South African Business Angel Network and Simodisa and various other organizations, I think there's more traction around getting people to actually invest in startups. In startups. Mm. So then you mentioned there's a number of aspects that you deal with. So we've spoken about the policy. What are mm-hmm. the other key ones that Simodisa wants to uh, unlock for, okay. for entrepreneurs? So the first one is a policy. Second one was a venture capital. Okay. And then the third one is now building a community. Community for entrepreneurs, and as you had indicated earlier on, we have about eight thousand people within our community. And how do we plug and connect those entrepreneurs to opportunities? Because you might be sitting at home right now, listening and saying, "Well, I've I've struggled. I've really struggled to get funding. I've really struggled to. I don't know if there's a network for mentors in South Africa. How do I access those opportunities that everybody says exist in South Africa? Everybody always says there's money in our country. Everybody says there's a lot of capital for startups in." South Africa, but where is that? So Simodisa is about connecting you into our community and connecting you to those opportunities. So what we have right now is called Venture Central. Okay. And essentially Venture Central is South Africa's um, 
entrepreneurial home for, um, well, it's South Africa's digital home for entrepreneurs, whereby you come into that platform. It's like basically a website. Um, we, we tend to, it's, it, it goes beyond a website. It's more a portal. Okay. So you get in there and depending at what stages of business you are, if you're a startup, if you just have an idea, if you need to grow your business or if you need to accelerate and scale your business, we would be able to give you and guide you to the information that you need. So if you're starting up, you obviously need to, well, let me not say obviously because to some people it's not obvious, yes. but you need to register your business, right? Um, you need to understand what is uh, business compliance. So, you know, having a tax, um, you know, tax clearance, having your BEE certificate, registering your business, you go to CIPC. So sometimes if you're starting up, those are things that you don't know. Yes. And if you go into Venture Central, we will take you there. We would say that you're starting up, you have an idea, or I have an idea and I need to expand on my idea. Here are the the tools that will help you kind of elaborate on, on your idea. Here are the tools that will help you build up your business plans because we have templates. Um, so we are, uh, basically, it's kind of a community of entrepreneurs in a digital uh, platform. Okay, I hear yes. you. And, and now let's talk about um, how do we grow this the space of entrepreneurs because I, I would venture to say we have we don't have enough entrepreneurs in some of the areas specifically around you know the digital economy mm, mm. Uh, because the potential there becomes exponential mm-hmm. if you get what I'm saying what are you seeing there are, are we do we have enough players um, coming forward in that space is it just a case of they don't have resources to take them to the next level or we're just not having enough pipeline, I guess. Okay. So I think that's a very interesting question because we do have digital entrepreneurs. I mean, the guy that develops a website, he's a digital entrepreneur. He's using a digital tool and he's selling digital tools. Okay. Right. So, um, however, South Africa is lacking in IT skills. You know, ICT is a bit of a challenge yes. and our ability to, you know, um, you know, generate people that have skills of the future because people that can code, that's what we're needing in South Africa. Yes. More, co- more coding, uh, people that have that ability to code. Um, because globally, that's what's needed. I mean, um, ca- as companies such as Amazon in South Africa are really, really taking up a lot of coders. Yes. Like literally, um, if you are a tech business and you're looking for people that have tech skills, um, they are far and few. And so, you know, you have to have people like Amazon taking up all your highly skilled South Africans and they're, they're paying them a lot of money yes. relative to a guy who's a startup that needs a, a basic developer, but he's really, really, uh, well, he can't pay them as much as a, a big American corporate can. So if we had more, um, you know, uh, people with, um, you know, coding, developing skills, um, it will be, uh, there'll be much more in the market. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's easier. The more you have within an environment, you know, now it kind of settles the price because right now, um, if you have limited, um, you know, experience within the uh, developing, uh, well, developing, uh, um, uh, you know, environment, um, you can get something to the tune of thirty-five thousand rands as a start. Yes, and that's a decent salary. Absolutely. So clearly, there's a huge demand, <coughs> and we definitely need more people with coding skills. And essentially, for us to get to that point, we would need to get it, um, you know, to to have it within our curriculum. You know, young people need to start being able to code. I mean, you look at um, various progressive economies, um, you know, they 10-year-olds can, can code. Yes. They yes. can actually do much more than what I can do. I can't even code to save my life. But this is something that they're taught from a very, very young age. It's like mathematics or science. You know, within our curriculum, that stuff that you have an idea of what it is, you can count, you can read. Yes. However, that's still very um, uh, preliminary. We need to now start really advancing the game, and it has to emanate from the 
you know, the, the, the foundation. Young people need to be able to code. But then aren't those the um, policy conversations that we need to be bringing to the fore? Because 100%. before we can even be concerned with, I guess, an ecosystem for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. we need the basic skills. I guess, in a digital world mm-hmm. to enable them to succeed. Mm. Well, remember an ecosystem is like, it's like, a, it's like a community or what different things are at play, you know, shifting, everything is kind of shifting. So it's not, we need to just focus on this or this or that. It's yes. like everything has a role within the ecosystem and the policy environment. Yes, we need more entrepreneurial skills. We need to get young people to be learning about entrepreneurship one on one in grade eight mm. instead of like, I mean, I, I studied entrepreneurship in my third year of university as just a semester course. Yes. It was not something I was taught when I was in grade eight, whereby by the time I leave, um, you know, high school, I will know that this is an option. I won't just think that I have to be in investment banking. I have to be a doctor. I have to be a, um, a lawyer or a teacher. I actually can start my own business and I have been given the necessary skills and tools to do that. Yes. So we need to really like nip it in the bud and start at a very early stage. And does that also does then connect to the policy environment that we're trying to, um, to encourage in, in, in South Africa. But the policy stuff is very, very difficult. I must say. And it's a long term. It's yeah. a long term. I mean, one of the policies that we've been able to advance took four years. Um, in February, Praveen Gordon introduced the whole IP exchange control reform. Yes. And that is something that we introduced in 2013. So it's taken about four years for them to actually do something about it. Okay. So this is an area that we, you must constantly be monitoring, I guess. Yes. And it's, it's a lot of work. It's not sexy. Um, you can't really see it. It's all in the background. And so a lot of people would say, but what does Simodisa do for me? It's like, well, there's a great important policy work that we've been advancing for the past four years in South Africa. However, there is now Venture Central, which is a portal which you can go into and it will plug you into what you need if you're a startup, if you want to grow your business, if you want to scale up your business. We have all the content. Um, and the thing about Venture Central is that uh, we don't create the content. It's created by the people that are doing it, but they have struggled to find the entrepreneurs to assist. To assist so we have the likes of the Weber Wenzels. Um, they give us you know, access to legal advice, guiding, uh, tools, templates. Um, we have a FinFind Easy. So that's essentially another portal that's dedicated to finding funding in South Africa. So if you're looking for funding, we're in partnership with FinFind Easy and it has all the funding institutions in South Africa. It has their contact details. It'll tell you who you need to speak to, what it is that they're looking for. Um, if you're looking for 10,000 rands or 1 million rands, it'll be able to refine the search of funders in South Africa. Okay. So it's kind of a portal of portals. It's kind of a, a portal of templates and you know various organizations that are really, really trying to get their and, services. And aggregating all of that So now let's assume I've I've established my business Mm -hmm. and I've gotten it to a level where um, I guess it's it's thriving. Mm, mm, So mm. I'm not necessarily at the early stages of development. I mean, you're an investment banker. You've worked in capital markets. You've worked with um, champions of Silicon Valley. Mm. How how can South Africans that are running businesses that might be small to medium or even large companies that want to be able to access that kind of capital or, or go into a global space, how can they position themselves differently in terms of their makeup? Mm. Well, it's important. I think um, you're referring to be investment ready. Yes. You know? um, and the primary thing is your market. You need to be very clear on what your market is. Um, we've spoken about venture capital. We've spoken about funding. But 
But I would put access to markets as a primary thing that you need to look at when you're putting together your business model or when you're also trying to scale up your business because the market is your customer and these are the people that are going to pay you for your service. And if you know that your customer pays you, you know you're in business. You know that you've created value. You know that there's a value exchange. Somebody's willing to give you money for what you have to offer because you're possibly solving a solution. So Uber... You know, is, has created a value proposition and everybody is Uber's market. Anybody that needs to be picked up from their house to their destination within a cashless environment, they know where exactly you are. It's not such a hassle. Um, you know, they've been able to create, um, something that is a solution. So access to markets and understanding who your market is, is very, very important. Isn't, but that's a fundamental of business, right? It is a fundamental. It's not specific to, Silicon Valley or it's you know, everywhere. venture capital, it's fundamental to any business. So if you're looking for people to fund you, you need to be, you need to clearly articulate who your market is. And also we always advise people to like the whole lean methodology of doing business that if you want to sell an apple, don't put a business plan around selling apples. Just go out there and sell the damn apples yes. and get a sense of would people be willing to buy this apple in the first place? Would they be willing to buy it for a rand, a rand 50 or maybe 50, uh, 50 cents? Um, and so you're essentially validating your product. Yes. So we encourage a lot of people before they write up elaborate business plans, they take six months to write up a business plan. Whatever it is that you're trying to create, whatever you're trying to sell, whatever service you're trying to do, test it out with like a sample of people, even if it's within your family, within your environment. So, um, you you know, being very, very clear on who your market is um, and also being able to test out your product um, to your market is very, very important because that's what investors are looking for. And then also you as a person, um, you know, you might be the creative that thinks of the idea, but you're terrible at, at selling because you're shy. You can't speak to people. Yes. So you need to identify your weaknesses and your strengths. And if you are the big guy with a big picture, with a big idea, get somebody who's going to be the hustler. You know, the chief hustling officer of the business because that person is going to get your product out there. So those are some of the fundamental things that you need to be able to identify your market. You need to be able to validate your product or your service. And also you need to be able to evaluate your strengths. And if you have weaknesses, go reach out and, and get those people to be able to sell your business if, I mean, sell your product or service if that's a bit of a challenge. I'm, I'm thinking now about, you know, these new age type of businesses that, mm-hmm. that, that need monetization eventually. So mm. it's like, you know, attract the people, attract the stakeholders and mm. then monetize it afterwards. Mm. Is there scope for that in a South African context? I think there is. I mean, you, you're speaking of the Facebook model, right? Yeah. Those, those types of those models. Types yeah. Where you've got businesses. a community of users or consumers of some, of some type. Yes. Um, those are not easy to raise funding for. You know, it, those types of business models have got mm. long-term type of views. You know, for South African entrepreneurs, mm, is there scope mm. for them in that space or do we need to stick to more tangible type no. of things? There's definitely scope to it because now we enter in the digital world, digital platform, and a lot of digital businesses like a, a Facebook, that's the model that they've used because now they have, I think, over a billion uh, users 
And now, you know, they can go to advertisers and say, I have a billion people. So people would be willing to actually pay for that. Um, so I would make an example with Venture Central, this, this platform that we're creating that I've spoken about. It's a, it's a, it's a community of entrepreneurs. And for us right now, it's free, free of charge. You know, nobody's going to get charged for anything. All we want is you to sign up, give us your details. The more details you give us, the more we can actually help you and direct you to what you're looking for. And, if now, I mean, we have a community of about 8,000 people, so we get 8,000 people to come on board, and over time, people can see the value of what we're creating. Over time, people can actually give us insights and inputs around, well, this is not helping me, or actually, I found this quite useful. Okay. So over time, we get to collect data around what entrepreneurs are doing, what are they buying, what are they going into, and then, let's say, over the next um, 18 months to 24 months, we now have a platform that has 50,000 People that are in the entrepreneurship space. Okay. It's easy for us to go to a bank and saying, if you're looking to attract entrepreneurs, now we need you to pay us X amount, um, to be able to leverage that data, leverage that platform, okay. sell your product. So I think it's essentially a whole thing of do it for free until somebody now has, you've created that value and somebody who's actually willing to invest in that value. In that value. Mm. And then now around patents, because I know there's a measure that's used to track countries where they say, um, you know, the number of patents filed in a year mm. will give, will be a good leading indicator. Mm. Um, well, mm. first is a good proxy for innovation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a leading in, 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 in indicator of growth into the future. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and what I do know, I don't have the stats right in front of sure. me, but that South Africa is not necessarily performing that well on, mm. on that measure. Does that speak to the type of entrepreneurs that that we are cultivating? Sure. Well, even just saying patents, you know, uh, people's intellectual property, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or people that are starting their businesses and have ideas are not familiar with what your intellectual property is. I see. And so there has to be a lot of educating the masses. Yes. Because when I speak around IP and exchange control, it's kind of, you know, I'm just like speaking gibberish. Yes. (laughs) However, it talks to your ability to, you know, really, really now secure and protect your idea and your ability to sell that because somebody is going to make money out of it if they are not, if you haven't protected it. So the, I think there has to be a lot of educating the masses around what it really takes to be a globally competitive, globally relevant business. And part of knowing how to protect your idea is part of it. Um, it's still not a very, um, cheap exercise. It's quite expensive because it involves lawyers. You know, they have to draft your, um, you know, your, your copyright, um, you know, um, contracts and all of that stuff. So it's something that also on that front, it has to be much more affordable for people to actually do it. I mean, there's a few, um, Firms that make money out of the, the legal firms, the Weber Wenzels and the Adams and Adams, those are people that do your IP related matters and they do charge a, you know, a fortune for it. So okay. it's still very expensive. People also still don't know much about it as to what it is and should I do it? Should I not do it? When do I actually protect my, my, my intellectual property? When don't I protect my intellectual property? So within the Simodisa platform, we connect you to, um, that kind of information. Like Venture Central is going to have, you know, Weber Wenzel as our legal partner that will tell you about what is IP you know okay. when do I when should I register my IP when is can I actually not register my IP so those rudimentary things that we don't think about a lot of times um, is what we actually teach entrepreneurs okay so in part it's what you're saying is that the ideas are there and the mm. innovation is there it's mm-hmm. just 
turning it into something that someone can sell globally becomes a challenge because there's this <clears throat> lack of information, I guess, about how you go about doing it and when you should do it, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And it's also about discovering the Sipo in Soweto that has this fantastic idea that's actually going to be a global solution to a global problem. Yes. He might have it, but how is Sipo going to get through all of that? Because he might have, you know, a very challenging environment. He wouldn't know how to access uh, legal uh, practitioners that might be able to guide him. So it's very, very important that, you know, entrepreneurs can identify that there are organizations like Asimodisa, there are platforms like uh, Venture Central that are there to help soothe the environment, that are there looking for a CEO who's got a great innovation that is ready for the world. Why can't he be an Elon Musk? Yes, why can't absolutely. he be? Why can't we give him the necessary uh, skills and tools to be able to be the next Elon Musk? So the South Africa has to get to that point where now, guys, we we have the perfect breeding ground for greatness for the for the world. Mm. And Simurisa is, is having an impact. Are you are you having the requisite impact? Yes. In, in your view, we are. In my view, we are. You know, um, and it's one of those things. If you are doing something, you need to be able to say, am I actually doing the right thing? And being part of Simodisa, um, you know, the, the industry acknowledges who we are. The, the industry acknowledges the importance that, um, you know, lobbying and advocating for the right kind of policies, promoting venture capital growth, ensuring that we create platforms that connect entrepreneurs, physical and digital to opportunities is very, very important. So our ability to do that for me says, yes, if I was starting out 10 years ago, I started out, you know, investment banking 2008 until 2010. So if seven years ago there was an organization like a Simodisa, my path to being an entrepreneur and knowing what, who's who would have been much more easier. Mm. Yeah. And the reason I ask is because I do believe we need more of your type of organization, mainly because we have a lot of incubators. So there's a mm. lot of places that say they can help you register your business. They've got mentors, you know, there's, Maybe not enough, but there's a lot of kind of that type of service, mm, you know, mm. where, where I think we lack is, is, you know, when you want to get into your really complex type of entrepreneurship, mm. uh, entrepreneurial endeavors mm, that mm. need, you know, different types of funding that need, when you're taking a business onto a global environment, how do you do that? How do you know that your idea can scale into mm. that level? You know, by and large, it's like register your business. Maybe get money from CEDA or whatever other organization mm. and then you run your supply type of business mm, or whatever. Mm, mm. And so I think we do need more conversations around the type of things sure. that we're talking about here. Because if I look at the younger generation and what technology does for them, mm. certainly it creates greater scope of opportunity, mm-hmm, greater mm-hmm. ability to be ambitious. Mm, mm, you know? mm. Now, <clears throat> I want to lean then into your, your personal company um, and the work that you're doing there. I know part mm. of it is about uh, skills development, sure. skills placement. Um, how does that then link into a digital world? Uh, because, you know, the, 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 the profile of the work is changing significantly. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I think, um, you know, my company, Fura Africa Holdings, you know, there's a venture capital component. Um, and then there's also the, uh, Fura Solutions, which okay. is the human capital development, okay. where we focus on, um, you know, recruitment, temporary and permanent. We focus on training and learnerships. Um, and so it's a, it's a joint venture partnership with a listed company. Okay. And essentially that particular listed company, um, it's quite traditional. I mean, they're listed. They've been on, um, you know, they've been around for 45 years. Which, which company is it? It's Workforce. 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 Okay. So they've been around for 45 years. Uh, Ronnie Katz is the, the founder of the business. 
lovely man. He's in his 70s. He's got a great vision for, you know, part of the skills revolution in South Africa. For us to contribute towards the economy, we have to invest in the skills. We have to give young people the skills. However, things are still very manual. And uh, Furaha Solutions, uh, which is a partner of Workforce, is now how do we start integrating coding skills, you know, digital skills? How do we start, um, you know, create, well, focusing on skills that are going to be much more relevant than, you know, having to teach people how to do the manual stuff? So that's okay. where Furaha Solutions <clears throat> comes in, saying, how do we just disrupt the space a bit? Okay. You know, let's, let's look at globally. I mean, at some point we have to do, um, well, we did like a whole um, scanning globally what's happening. How are people advancing skills? I mean, um, you know, there's a couple of um, companies in Silicon Valley, um, there's something called, I think it's called Get Smarter. Okay. It's a South African company. I think it's the most recent buyout. It was bought by um, an American company. I just forget what the name is. And Get Smarter is about, um, you know, training um, people, but digitally. So it's like a digital university of sorts. So giving people skills, but on a digital platform. Yes. So instead of having to go to university, can be within your own, you know, environment and you could be learning skills. There's Coursera's um, that are basically, you know, giving people uh, skills, but in a much more scalable manner because they could be all the way in America, but I am all the way here in South Africa and I'm able to, you know, learn skills from established universities, um, you know, um, you know, here in South Africa. I don't have to go to Harvard. I don't have to go to Princeton. So that's essentially uh, for our solutions. We focus on how do we disrupt the space of training? Okay. How do we look at globally relevant technologies that are also relevant to the South African market? Um, and also how do we start focusing on the necessary skills like coding? How do we start integrating um, our educational systems into that and, and doing the training around that because right now things are still very rudimentary. Things are still very much, um, you know, the, the A, B, and Cs, but then it's not really preparing South Africans to be globally um, relevant and also be able to command global uh, salaries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and where are you seeing, I mean, you've mentioned software development and coding. Mm. Um, that's a specific area. In, in other, in, I mean, we've got big agricultural industries here, mm-hmm. we've got big mining. Uh, manufacturing is also big. Mm, um, mm. What are you seeing in terms of shifts in those spaces? Well, everything from, from a skills perspective. From a skills perspective, everything has to be digitized. Mm. That's kind of where it's going. So technology is the current and will be the future enabler of all of that. So agro processing. How do we make things? Uh, much more. How do we how do we create the value chain to be much more efficient and quicker? And well, the challenge there is that it's it, there's a fear that it's going to reduce the jobs because Absolutely. now robotics, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning. So these are things that are taking up what human beings used to do. So that is a fear that you know we currently have. So that's why it's important that we start getting people to to not just have skills that are very rudimentary, but skills that I can code and. I can actually code this particular thing to do X, Y, and Z. Because mm. then you're creating, a, you know, you have a skill that's relevant and you, you, you'd be able to be, um, you, you'll be relevant going forward because now everything is going to be enabled by technology. How we speak, how we engage. I mean, you see how when you are around a table of friends and you're having a conversation, everybody is on Instagram. Everybody is on WhatsApp. You know, you guys hardly are having a conversation amongst yourself. That's just how technology is taking over. And we need to prepare people for that. But but isn't it daunting though? I can, you know, for someone who's coming from high school or varsity, Mm -hmm. university or college, um, it, it, it makes sense. Because they're coming into something new and they're going to adopt it from, mm. from there going forward. But mm. 
in the case of you know someone who's been doing a job for for twenty thirty years um and they don't really see how they can connect with this new technology driven world mm. doesn't that create a, a, a dichotomy in in a sense it's scary I mean I look at my own dad. Only now has he started using email. Yeah. Only now is he comfortable to say, Matsu, send me this on my email. I mean, five years ago, dad didn't want to, didn't even know what an email address is. So, um, whether there's more people like my dad that were like not necessarily exposed to technology, but they've been working in the, um, you know, he's, he's a medical, uh, practitioner. So yes. he's like, um, like, what do you call it? Um, um, he does stuff in the labs and stuff. So okay, he's a technician. He's a te- yes, a medical, medical technici- lab technician. technician yeah. So um, now that particular industry is being taken over by technology, and yes. somebody like my dad, he's been doing this for as long as I've been alive for thirty years. Yes. And uh, now he has to know those skills because the machines that he used to use are now different. But how do we, how do we prepare him for that? Because we can't assume, you know, put him onto a digital get smart uh, (laughs) portal and then he's going to go figure it out for himself. It's going to be a challenge. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's really going to be a challenge. And well, the good thing is that, you know, we need to start it with the young people, but then there's also a cohort of old people that, well, likely my dad is going to retire in the next three years. (laughs) So you wouldn't, couldn't be bothered as to where the, the whole industry is evolving towards what's the evolution. But for people that are like much, much more younger, it's probably easier to actually teach them those kind of skills. Yeah. Yeah, so for the likes of my dad's Hadi, you know, at least you're going to be retiring. So this is like, okay, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if we look at it now at an, at an economy level, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the structure of our economy now says that it's a lot of the, the manual labor. And it's people that have been doing the same thing for a long time. Mm. Uh, is there not, um, and I mean, you don't necessarily come from labor side, but sure. is there not um, strong policy initiatives required to to do things differently or to address that. What's your view, your opinion? One hundred percent. I think from a skills perspective, um, well, I mean, there was a report. It's probably been updated, and the numbers are probably better. But at some point, South Africa was the lowest scoring country by the World Economic Forum in terms of our education infrastructure and our education in general. So clearly there's something wrong with how we are preparing people for the working environment. Um, And also with the high levels of unemployment in South Africa, 27%. You know, we have young people going through the school system uh, battling to get through university or even be accepted into university or even afford to be university. And then when they come out, there aren't any jobs. So there's something wrong with the system. And essentially we have to, from a policy perspective, meaning government's intervention, mean uh, that, that, it's, it's, it's very, very critical that they identify that we cannot perpetuate the situation. Cannot get young people to go through a schooling system that's not preparing them for skills of the future, for skills that are going to make them marketable. I mean, like I said earlier on, we need people that we need more developers in South Africa. Yes. So if we can skill, uh, teach people how to code from a very, very young age, it means that we're preparing them for when now we're evolving within the digital um, economy, when now we're evolving within the fourth industrial revolution. Um, they will be ready. They'll be competent. They'll be comfortable. They'll be like, bring it on. You know, world, I'm here. I'm a South African and I can give you 
the skills, whether, I mean, right now they're procuring a lot of their developers from the East. Yes. You know, um, there's a lot of Indian developers. Uh, like with the whole Trump coming into America, it was a huge thing because now he's very much anti, you know, everybody coming in. It's He's now looking inside. So why don't we use American developers instead yeah. of getting people? So people like the likes of the Googles, the likes of the Elon Musks and the Teslas were, and the PayPals were really, um, you know, like even um, the Facebook guy, Mark Zuckerberg, they're saying, but hang on, you know, half of our staff component comes from the East, yeah. whether it's the Philippines, even the people that are developing our current portal, um, Venture Central, um, we got a local guy to do it. But, you know, he messed up the whole process. We gave him seven months to do this. And by the time seven months came to pass, there was literally nothing. So now we've had to escalate because it has to go to launch. And mm. now we're using a team from the Philippines. Mm. So that just talks to the challenging skills, um, you know, the skills challenge that we have in South Africa. Yeah. So so I guess it's going to be an ongoing phenomenon of, of finding the right balance. Because certainly, and, and I'm a big advocate for this, but mm. for really keeping the skills Number one in country and then number two on the continent. Mm, mm. You know. Well, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is if those people that are responsible for um, ensuring that we are better equipped as a nation to reduce the, you know, the, the unemployment in our country because we are skilled. We can actually do this stuff. We can be investment bankers. We don't have to get, you know, UK investment bankers coming to South Africa because South Africa has a lot of those. Yes. Or they don't have to get a lot of developers from outside to come into South Africa. So if they don't see that as a challenge, then we have a big problem. They don't see that the school system is not preparing South Africans to be um, competent and capable. Then we have a problem. Absolutely. So it's about seeing it. Like I mean, you can only change something that you see as a challenge. And if you're thinking that we need more uh, uh, survivalist entrepreneurs, which is currently the stance of the Department of of, of uh, Small Businesses, that we need more survivalists. Basically, that's what it is. Yes. Then there is a problem. Yeah. Instead of we need more high impact, high growth SMEs in our in our country that have the skills. To actually run businesses, then we have, and a then problem. they'll pull the rest of the economy with them. Absolutely. I read an article; um, it was last year from IT News, mm-hmm. where they said um, there was over five thousand tech startups in South Africa mm. um, at the time mm. um, in in the entrepreneurship space. Mm-hmm. Um, and and speaking to you now, and we're talking about a skills shortage. Mm. You know, mm. it kind of sounds contradictory. It does. It does sound contradictory, but there are a lot of tech startups, you know, especially in the fintech space. Fintech is really, really evolving because South Africa has a strong financial services industry. And so we have a lot of people coming up with payment platforms. Uh, We have the whole Bitcoin phenomenon that's taking up in South Africa and also globally. So there are a lot of those, but their main challenge is the skills, finding developers. Okay. You know, I, I have a couple of tech uh, um, uh, startups or tech friends, and you know they they're constantly overwhelmed with. Well, you know, I have a guy he started with me, but then um, Amazon can pay him much more, so he's going to go. And there's a, a limited amount of those kind of guys. So um, the skills and the ability for them to progress their businesses is, is a bit of a challenge. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the businesses that we engage with are in the tech space. Okay. And tech doesn't have to be um, high-end stuff that we can't even understand. Yes. I mean, tech, uh, having a digital business is, if you're somebody that can develop um, a website, 
um, you know, an e-commerce platform for your customers because now everybody has to be encouraged to have a digital presence. So if I'm a startup, I need to have a website because how is Matsi going to know about my business um, if she's staying in Santon, but she knows that the, the greatest Maguinas are in Soweto? How am I going to know about your greatest Maguinas? So as somebody who sells Maguinas, you need to digitize your business. You need to have a website, a basic website. And there are a lot of free website, uh, you know, uh, tools that you can use and to create your own website. So it's just knowing that the world is going digital and um, technology is really disrupting everything. And technology and disruption doesn't have to be a big word that you don't understand, but it's understanding that everything now uses technology. Everything is now digital. Uh, There are free tools like you can have an Instagram page. Instead of sitting on Instagram the whole day following celebrities, you could actually start your own business and start. I mean, how many businesses have I known of because now they're on Instagram? Because they sell small little things that I actually need. Mm. They have a digital presence. Yes. doesn't have to be a big, fancy, elaborate, expensive exercise. It's as simple as registering your business on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and being active and promoting your business there. Okay. So I want to go back now to Simudisa. Mm-hmm. We, we spoke about Venture Central, which yes. is, I guess, the portal that, that you're launching. We've spoken about some of the policy work you're doing. Mm. Um, let's talk more around the future in terms of um, some of the future policy that you want to see being mm. adopted by government or future stance. What, what okay. are the things that, that you're working on? Sure. So we identified seven policies, um, and out of the seven, we've been able to advance t- Two of them. Okay. One being Advanced the IP, meaning? Well, like get the government to actually do something about it. Okay. So IP and exchange control in February, it was now, you know, announced by Praveen Gordon that, well, we're going to reduce the restrictions. Okay. So if you want to sell your IP, depending on how much it is that whole transaction, some of it doesn't necessarily have to go through um, exchange control. Okay. Right. So that is one. And then the other one was Section 12J, which is a tax incentive for venture capital companies. So if you're wanting to invest in, um, you know, in, in startups that are in scalable industries, okay. um, we give you a tax incentive to do that because that's how we're trying to grow venture capital in South Africa. And the others is labor. So how we engage, um, um, if you're a startup, you don't have a department that deals with HR, which is hiring and firing people. Yes. You have to be the marketeer, the financier. You have to be the HR person. You have to be the social media person. So um, how we deal with startups should not be the same way we would deal with an established business that has a department to deal with labor-related matters. So um, one of the policies that we've identified is that you need to somehow make it easier for entrepreneurs to really, really uh, well start or, you know, Small businesses to function yes. uh, Don't give them the same requirements As a big business would have to do So that's a one policy And then another one is the business visa And well, we actually want to introduce An entrepreneurship visa okay. So our ability to attract talent into South Africa uh, Right now if you want to establish a business It's very, very difficult You know, the people that are administering that process of having a business visa, it's a challenge. You know, it takes time. It's expensive. Um, So we're engaging the government around how do we make it easier for talent to come in here? Because you find that a lot of other, um, you know, South African businesses that are trying to get um, skills from outside because right now we don't have the skills, find it very challenging to get that guy from the Philippines to come into South Africa and be a developer. I see. So I having see. that entrepreneurship visa is one of the things that we're pushing. And the others um, is research and development, R&D uh, incentives, because there's a lot of um, R&D in South Africa, but it's not landing itself onto the shelves. You know, we have great people creating wonderful 
ideas and prototypes, but then it never really there's a bit of a challenge in commercializing that. And so what needs to happen is that you are a big nerd from a university. You've got this great idea. You've put it together, but then you need an entrepreneur to help you commercialize that. So that process of being able to, you know, get that R and D to now being commercialized to now being contributing towards the South African um, economy is still a bit of a challenge. So we're working on that. So, um, so we, we still have a, a huge list of policy that we're driving. Yes. And as I had indicated, it takes a bit of a while to actually get it there. So we've identified those policies and out of the seven, there is two that we've advanced. And now our main focus at this point in time is still working with the IP, Exchange Control, Section 12J Tax Incentive for Venture Capital. But then now we're focusing on the entrepreneurship visa, our ability to attract skills into the country. And give me a sense that when you say you're working on it, what's, what are you doing? Is it a lot of lawyers? Is it a lot of, what is the work that you How do? How do you lobby? What is lobbying? That's what I want to know. To push policy. Yeah. So it involves, um, you know, partners. So for example, for the, um, IP and exchange control, it does involve, um, some lawyers. Okay. So you have to get the legal people that have to deal with this particular law to be part of your team. We're working with the South African Venture Capital Association because, you know, part of that process does involve VC and the people that are investing in these technologies are also finding it very difficult to be able to sell it to other investors outside. Okay. So it's a whole, um, Depending on which particular policy it is, it does involve, you know, the legal people around there. So if we're going to be tackling um, the labor legislation, we have to involve labor related lawyers or people that have been affected. Um, you know, practitioners that, well, I'm an investor and I need to invest in this industry and I'm affected. That's why I'll work with you guys. Um, and then, so what we would do is we would do some preliminary research okay. around this is actually a challenge and this is how we are getting the numbers around it is a challenge. Okay. Okay. So you get the evidence and then you are having now to present it and lobby it to the government and saying, well, you guys are the policymakers and this is a bit of a problem. You guys need to reduce, um, you know, the friction or the, the red tape. And and these are our recommendations. I see. And so okay. it's regular engaging engagements with with the government, the the the, resp- the you know the the people responsible, the government officials responsible with that particular policy. And you literally have to be, um, you know, trying to convince them to actually change it. Okay. And that is its own process within um, the government. It's a whole process. You have to change the law and all of that. Okay. So it's quite a it's quite a task. It's quite a long task. And you've got seven on your agenda, which keep you very busy. Yes, and we've been able to advance two. And Simodisa's success would be to, you know, start and focus on the seven, get that done over the next couple of years. But then some of them you've been able to identify. For example, like um, our ability to get, um, you know, uh, coding to be within the uh, curric- the educational curriculum. Yes. So that would need for us to present a business case as to why it's important for us to do that. How is it going to impact the greater South Africa? How are we going to put it as part of the, you know, the national development plan and say that we need more coders instead of what they've listed is fine, but then this is also of importance and can it be included on your long list of what needs to be done to be able to get to 2030 and we're a much more vibrant um, South Africa and a much more robust economy. Okay. Mazi, you're a very... Active, busy person. <laughs> what, what does the future hold for you? So you, you're running your, your private company. Yes. You are involved in a number of uh, civic organizations, sure. if I can call them that. Uh, you're an MD of one. So there's a lot happening in your space. Mm. Um, where are you going from here you're, as an entrepreneur yourself? It's a very difficult question to answer because 
you know, seven years ago when I left investment banking, I wouldn't have said I'll be sitting here being interviewed and being sharing my knowledge around, you know, policy and venture capital. Yes. So I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that I'll be in a happy space. Okay. And one thing that I definitely want to do is be able to, um, you know, really um, beef up my venture capital endeavors, you know, being a VC and being an angel investor. So obviously yes. for that to happen, I also need to acquire wealth. So that's why my personal business for Africa Holdings has to be a success so that I can be in a space where I can actually see the ideas and start being active as a, as a venture capitalist. As a cap, as a venture capitalist. Yes. Yourself. Yeah. And, um, uh, I always ask the guests um, for their own definition of disruption um, mm. because, you know, the show is called Disrupt, but we have a, a wide mix of people that come and talk to us mm. um, from across different industries. If I were to ask for your definition of disruption, what would you say to me? I would say doing the opposite of what you're supposed to do. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is I was supposed to be in a, a doctor. Right. Okay. I was supposed, and then I decided that I'm not going to study medicine. And then I went into the investment banking space. I only lasted two years. And then I said, screw it. I'm not going to be, uh, you know, working for, um, a corporate for, you know, the whole nine to five thing, five days a week, you know, four weeks a month, uh, you know, it, 365 days a year. It's not going to work for, it's not going to do it. Okay. And this is what I was encouraged to do growing up that follow suit. Matsi, have a, be a doctor or have a, a, a proper career because a lot of times people say, okay, when are you going to start doing real work? Matsi? Oh, they ask you that question. So I could ask that question because it <laughs> looks like I'm always having a time of my life. Like yes. last week, I was invited by Google Nigeria. So they're launching a couple of products. So I was in Lagos and I had Fantastic. a blast. So engaging with Googles. And so life is very different because I decided that I'm going to do the opposite of what society expects for me to do. And I'll do it differently and I'll have a lot of fun. And that's for me, my personal disruption okay. where I kind of go against what everybody thinks and feels is right for me and I go with what I think should happen and uh, half the times I don't know what it is it's it's it, it, it's it tends to be by impulse okay. you know I kind of follow my gut and you know it's so far it's worked for me because yes. I've come this far and seven years later I'm now creating platforms I'm now create um, you know creating job opportunities for young people and I'm able to, to you know to, to to contribute towards South Africa's well-being from running a Simodisa or having my own company that employs people. Okay. Yeah. So doing the opposite of what you're supposed to do. That's what disruption is. Absolutely. And then um, your vision, uh, and, and, and I guess it's embodied in a lot of the work that you do, mm. uh, but your vision for South Africa and for Africa, the continent? Oh, it's a big vision. Hey? In, in brief? It's such a big vision. And I feel like our our potential right now is our ability to leverage the resources that we have okay. and our ability to upskill the human resources that we have so that they can leverage the natural resources that we have. That's a been, that's the real vision that I have for our continent because we are offering, not we have so much to offer, we are offering the world so much, but when are we going to start making money out of it and advancing our own, our own people on the continent? I mean, Lagos, love it. But it's not necessarily the nicest of places when it comes to um, infrastructure. It's, it's 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 a mess. Yes, the people are amazing. I love the people. They have such great energy. But there's a lot and of now, work to do coupled to develop with the, infrastructure. the skills to actually develop and just leverage all that energy into their own resources and their own people. I mean, we would we would really create a, a, an amazing Africa. Fantastic. Last one. Um, so a report by PwC says that. Um, if we need to create 11 million jobs by mm-hmm. 2030, 
Mm. Um, we're going to need something like 49,000 scalable SMMEs, um, 8.2 million small and micro enterprises. Uh, the, the list is long. Mm. Um, can we do it? We have to do it, and we can do it. And we need um, organizations like Asimodisa um, and various other organizations, this is just one of them, yes. to come together um, and, and do it. But then also I believe that the leadership of this country is critical. Yes. We can't do it without the right kind of visionaries and leaders that our country deserves. Right now, I'm not going to say much, but we definitely can do a lot more than what we currently foresee for our country and for our continent. On that note, thank you so much uh, for joining us, Matsi. Thank you for sharing about entrepreneurship. And really for me, what's encouraging is just to see the amount of work that's happening to, to develop entrepreneurs. I mm. think often we talk about things, but what I gather that Simurisa is actually doing something about it. You know, it's actually mm. challenging government, challenging our current leadership, um, disrupting what they're doing daily to get them to think differently mm. about how we can really push, um, our country and by, and by consequence, the, the, the continent mm. forward. So thank you for joining us today. Um, on Disrupt with Mpumi. Thank you to T-Systems, our sponsors, once again, for making this platform possible. You can uh, follow T-Systems on www.unoutsource.co.za. That's un-outsource.co.za. Thank you to our guest and have a wonderful day. This is cliffcentral.com.